What up, everybody? <laughs> we are, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, we are on a slight little struggle bus today. It's because I'm in Massachusetts, and if anything's going to go wrong, it's when I'm actually in studio trying to bring you guys a great show. So, my fault. I had absolutely nothing to do with anything technical and fixing. Matt over there is a technical genius. He won't admit it, but he's the reason that we somehow got working after 28 minutes. So apologies to everyone. Thanks for hanging out in the the live audience. Yeah. Shout out to everyone in the live audience that has been patiently waiting. I saw the, uh, it was funny at six 59, someone had posted, what is the over under of them being late? And I said, (laughs) guys, we are about to start. We started. And that's when everything went kaboom, (laughs) blew up in our faces. Yeah. And so I've just been snacking on some Reese's pieces since then. And giving fun disc golf stories while Matt and Ben have been hard at work. So, yeah, I, for our post audience, they don't really care to hear this, but we're real people with real tech and real computers. And we, it's not often we have issues, but I'll just go ahead and give the, the non disc golf story. This week I did an overhaul on our software and everyone knows when you go to do software updates, you got to back up, you got to save, you got to test, you got to test, you got to test. Long story short is I tested just a few hours ago and everything's working. And then when I go to actually, actually do it, which nothing was different, didn't work. So quite frankly, I'm pretty steamed inside right now. And I had saved an old revision, old software, and I was able to unzip and open. And here we are somehow, but names are wrong. I think it started off with you as intern Ben and who knows. You know, it it is what it is. As long as we're talking, hanging out with everybody, you know, at that point, what's kind of the biggest bummer I think out of all this is we actually had a really cool new intro (laughs) set up for, if you notice the music kind of changed, but we have a new camera angle that we're going to work on. And I'll be home in Massachusetts for a little while. So hopefully in the time that I am home, we will be able to get that up for you guys. Yes. And uh, looks like we have already in our green room, which we'll get them in here soon. Um, I We have Albert Tam mm-hmm. and David Wiggins Jr. We have them both lined up. So that's going to be exciting. Uh, let's go ahead and get Evan in here. He's been sitting in the... Side room, Evan. What a journey to get to this point. Thirty minutes of chaos, but here we are. We're live. We're live, and that's all that matters now, right? Man, I, I I don't know what it is for the stat world or what it is for everyone else that's listening. But what is that one thing? Comment it. That like when it goes wrong, it just like it makes you internally like angry. (laughs) That was this. Yeah. So hey, I. I'm a I'm a programmer, software developer by day job. Like my entire job is write something for a little bit and then spend ninety percent of your time trying to fix it. But so but why? I, I get it. Is it I, Murphy's law? Like it's literally I everything tested well. It's literally the click. Let's go live. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh man, such a bummer. All right. It's but it's working. But and we're here. We got this working. So yeah. now we just wasted the first little bit on that. So let's uh let's talk some disc golf. Yes. So disc golf. Uh, because we're running behind and we got a few people in the green room, we'll kind of keep this first intro portion short here. But I want to just ask, what do you think about Simon and his new discs? Everyone's probably seen it now. You look at the mm-hmm. view counts on Casey White's video, on Simon's mm-hmm. video, his first round, and then these subsequent rounds with, like I said, Casey. My initial thought out of the gate is he's learning new discs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it looks to me, for some reason, that they're more understable than he thought they would be or that not that he thought they'd be, but they're coming out more understable for him. Mm -hmm. 
That's his that's his miss, if you will, or his mistake that he's making. So I don't know. What do you guys think? You've seen him throw probably as well. Well, I think for off-season content-wise, he's doing absolutely incredible. I mean, if you look at the YouTube views just lately throughout the last, you know, month and a half or so, or just uh, actually just about a month, um, his YouTube videos have been awesome. Same thing with Casey, and they had some fun battles down in Florida. Um, Simon just took a little trip down there, met up with some friends, which is pretty cool because Simon and I were talking just yesterday, and um, I was saying, oh, if you're down in West Palm Beach area, you should have gone to Okahili Park. And funny enough, that was actually the video that he just most recently posted. He was like, oh, yeah, I played there actually before I got on a plane home. Um, but Simon, myself, and Paul Kranz went and played around over at Buff yesterday. It was off filmed. It was literally just let's go out, shoot some shots with the boys and have a fun time. And there were a couple really, really good shots as he's figuring out what discs do kind of exactly what they should do with a little bit of power on them. Um, he's really starting to dial it in. I think it's now just figuring out, you know, how much hyzer do I need on this high speed driver? How much hyzer do I need on this fairway driver? Um, and, you know, realistically, it's it's hard to learn discs unless you're in a 600 foot dome where there's no wind. So I think realistically, if he just goes out, plays around with no wind, throws everything flat and can really get a good feel for it, then I think he's going to have a better time figuring everything out. But one thing that he did say that's really been impressing him lately are the mid ranges and the putters from all the companies that he's able to throw. I think it's MVP, Axiom, and Streamline. Um, the Envy, and I think it's the Proxy, he says are really awesome to throw. He's got this overstable disc called a Pyro that he says is great to throw. And then he's loving the Hex. He got, you know, the Lazadal stamp, which I still think is one of the coolest stamps in all of disc golf. But um, so he's throwing the Hex a lot. and He, he has nothing but high things or like great things to say about the Hex. Uh, I know you said you were just casually throwing, more or less, but mm -hmm. who won? Discmania, Discraft, or MVP? I want to say, so <laughs> I took you, a big number Paul on hole Kranz three. And, yeah, me being Discraft, Paul Kranz, Discmania, Simon MVP. I stopped keeping score in the sense we were throwing multiple shots and just having, having a fun time. I did get like four or five birdies on the back, which was kind of nice, but... um. What's it called? You didn't, I think you didn't win, is what I'm guessing. No, I, well, I think technically <laughs> Paul won because he actually kept his score throughout the Let's whole time go. with first shots, and I kind of stopped probably after hole 14 or so, just because at that point I was like, oh, we're just hanging out, having a fun round. Um, if anyone has ever played Buff before, this was kind of a cool story, and this is not going to mean anything for anyone else in the country. Great course out here called Buffenville Dam. Hole 17 is this really awesome, probably like 400 somewhat foot turnover, slightly downhill, has a big iconic tree on it. Anyways, in the middle of the hole, there's a little drainage ditch, drainage ditch with some rocks, and there's a pipe that leads for the drainage. I somehow, some way, and none of us knew this because we couldn't see it off the tee, and we spent 20 minutes looking for my disc. One of my shots actually perfectly flexed out into the pipe that is on that hole. It's no more than a foot and a half, two feet wide. Wow. And somehow 400 feet off the tee, I somehow third in that. Probably one of the coolest shots of my career. Could never replicate it ever again if I tried. And it didn't mean anything because, you know, I wasn't taking that shot anyways. <clears throat> but anyways, that was just a fun casual round with Simon learning his discs. And uh, Paul Cranch just silky smooth, great form, and rarely misses putts. So it was just fun. Yeah, it was a nice 50 degree day in January, which is very rare to get in Massachusetts. The last two days have been super nice. So 
It is good to have you in studio, Nick. People have been commenting on your webcam lately. I think it's a little upgrade. Well, I think, you? yeah. So everyone, everyone's talking about the webcam. The webcam is actually great. It's the green screen and webcam combo put together. It's not even that. that. Like, it's, it's you sitting in a camp Figuring chair. out, oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, exactly. My back <laughs> feels so things. much better already. Like, just thinking about sitting in a nice computer chair, my back is already feeling great. All right, let's but. do Let's get them in. Uh, let's, let's get in the guests of the evening. Albert, Tam, and uh, David Wiggins Jr., Let's go. Five up. Boom. Welcome to the show, guys. Uh, it is good to yeah. have two. Uh, two. We're going to have to manage this. There's a lot of power throwers in the room tonight. Uh, Albert. No, there's and two. David. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, Albert, you, you make distance throwing look extremely easy. People talk about it being a golf shot. Um, have you ever tried throwing like 360s and ripping it the same way David does? No, I've played around with the idea, but I haven't really made it into practice yet. And why Why would you? Uh, you can throw over 700. How many times have you thrown over 700? That was my first time. Ooh, what a day to do it. What a day to do it. Nice. And uh, David, you uh, we're talking specifically to both of you because there was a release of a video um, on DGN, and I think YouTube possibly, but U.S., disc golf championship distance driving competition and it was really fun to watch um david your whole life you've been known for throwing extremely far um do you feel like the competition as far as distance goes is getting like better like harder for you to beat them or what how do you feel about that um, there's definitely more further throwers in the game than there have ever been. And that, I mean, showing up and throwing in that competition was the first one that I'd thrown in several years. And, you know, I'm seeing names and faces that I've never ever thrown with or, or played against, um, on the course, but throwing distance is a whole, you know, different side of things too. So there's a lot of guys that can throw it over 600 feet now, which is something that you didn't have as much. Yeah, and do you think that we see you throw 360 often when you're trying to throw it extremely far? That works for you, obviously. Does that work for the average person, in your opinion? Unless you've put a lot of time and effort into getting it down, it's probably not going to add distance uh, right off the bat. You're going to have to get your reps in and really dial it in for it to help you. If you had to take a max distance shot, just throwing it like a normal X step versus your 360, how much further do you really think your 360 goes than the X step? I think on a perfect throw, I can add about 50 feet. Ooh, okay. That's good. Okay. That's worth it. Um, yeah, Al that's yeah, Albert, you so you don't do the 360. I asked you about that. Um, it seems pretty, like I said, I don't want to use easy. So let me ask. Is it hard for you to throw over 500 feet? I'm going to pick a number, 500 feet. Is it hard for you to do that? Uh, 500, no. Uh, and also, there's a like the right disc goes with a disc. Okay, what's too. your disc of choice? My for me to get the easiest distance is Ballista Pro, and like uh, I can play around with stability quite a lot. So whenever I need like a nice control, I will use like a Opto X plastic and uh, gold line is when I'm like really trying to pipe okay. one out there. So not to put any pressure out there, I can currently throw probably on my absolute best drive right now, 400 feet. Like that would be me like going, wow, I really got a hold of one. 
and that's just to say I don't put a lot of time and effort into it because I'm busy. But if I was to like say, hey, Albert, I will pay you, uh, you know, $1,000 a week if you can teach me to throw over 500 feet. And that's not a real proposal. Just imagine it. Is that something you could teach the average person to do, to throw that far? Mm, I think sky is the okay. limit, you know? So I'm going to say it like this. <laughs> he says the sky is the limit. Let me ask you, David, the same question. Is that something you could teach the average, and maybe I'm average, I don't know, 940 rated or so, throwing, maxing out at 400. Could you teach me to throw over 500 feet? I would say if you're hitting 400, it's possible. Um, somebody, oh, you know, throwing 300. Somebody throwing 300, maybe not. Not everybody's going to throw 500 feet just because it's the physical limitations. But um, 100 feet's a long ways to go. But, yeah, I'd say it's possible. What do you think the biggest physical limitations are for someone throwing the 400 feet, getting into the 500 feet range? Like, if you had to say this is one thing, and I know every single player is different, their form is different, but if you were to tell someone to work on one thing, what do you think that that would be? And that's kind of a question for both of you. So we can go with Albert first or, you know, however you guys want to do it. Uh, I think for me, like the, like the thing that I've learned over the years the most is like the timing uh, has given me the most like effortless distance. So you have to really work like that the things click in at the right time, not like off offset kind of. Okay. Timing. Um, how about David? Yeah, my timing's yeah, way off. Yeah, timing's huge. And it, at the end of the day, it's, you know, how fast that disc is coming out of your hand and how much spins on it. So you really have to be explosive to get the speed in order for it to go that far. And that limits some people just because they're not able to accelerate that fast. But yep. yeah, and timing I think, and speed are huge. Yeah, and I think we've seen, and I'm glad you actually brought up speed because take a look at albert's throw versus your throw when it comes to 360 you're using your whole body all your explosiveness albert has let's say a much more constructed throw and then take someone like you know anthony barella who just you know runs up super fast and then just rips the disc it comes out of his hand hot but then drew gibson who has you know more of a basic run-up doesn't put in like what do you is it really just a big timing thing and what's comfortable for you like albert why do you throw it more of a slower is that just how you developed your timing and then, you know, going on from there. Yeah, uh, like I've worked over the years to get the like run up faster, especially like for distance to like get that uh, disc more higher. But like um, whenever I feel like I'm not clicking with the uh, tempo, then I'm starting to like slow down the run up and trying to like, again, get the feel from there and then again, bring the speed into play. Okay. So again you guys throw extremely far i'm going to go to the competition side a little bit um really cool that they put a production together ted you know and others that worked on that project um the u.s disc golf distance championship in your opinion this is this is up for debate if you will i mean i know it was the u.s event title but does this in your mind go down as you are a u.s distance champion like is that how this plays out for you in your mind uh, David, I think, yeah, I think the competition is hitting that level now. Um, in previous years, it was more of kind of show up to the field and, you know, get your five throws in. And then that was pretty much it. Whoever 
is at the top at the end of the day wins. And some years they had finals there. But the way that uh, the Ted and Chris, Coach Chris Taylor and everybody else that helped out with the event put it on, it, it felt like a real uh, professional distance competition. Um, I definitely feel like, you know, this is the – best run one that we've had yet and uh yeah it feels like a title this okay. year for sure um and i i want to put out there you can go five up again if you don't mind so we get everyone on the screen when you watch it you realize i'll call it like the preliminaries um albert you threw over 700 feet and you said that was your first time uh that's awesome to yeah. watch um and then david when we got to the finals which both of you qualified for I, I understand wind is different. And so it's, it's in the moment who can throw the furthest. Right. So that's, can you tell us the intricacies, I guess, of a distance competition like, like that, like it was different in the finals than it was in the preliminary. And so you didn't throw as far, I guess, in the finals, like walk us through some of those intricacies, if you don't mind, David. Yeah. So the way that this distance competition set up, you had a qualifying round where I believe the top six throwers made the finals in the men's open side. So you, you have you have to think about your strategy trying to qualify. You know, do you, do you have enough gas in the tank to take some off and still meet that minimum distance that it takes to qualify for the finals? Or are you going all out um, then as you transition into the finals round? You know, you pretty much got to give it everything you got if if there's a good throw out there if, if you want the mark that's going to be confident that you're going to win with it because you know these are the furthest throwing guys out there so there's a little bit of strategy that goes into it but uh the conditions can also vary from from round to round and we we saw that the wind shifted a lot going into the finals so there's definitely some nuances there that um a lot of people don't realize if they weren't there and wind has always been a factor of conversation as well with these with these competitions. I mean, when you had your world titles uh, for distance or world records for distance, it was probably really, really windy, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's not to downplay it, but but that's the point. I'm talking about the intricacies. Like, so even in a distance competition at U.S. Disc Golf Championship, you might not have thrown as far in the last round and Albert actually had the long distance drive, but it was in different conditions. So it only counts per round. Um, Albert, you threw over 700 feet. Um, what, what are your, what is your strategy when you're going into your five throws? I know you have time limit. Are you throwing all of the same discs or do you have different molds? Um, I think the key is to have like five, really similar discs uh this year i had like pretty fortunate luck i had pretty much five brand new gold triple burst uh, blister pros so i kind of like i can knew like if i threw one out there i could easily correct a mistake what like if i saw it hyzer out too early or like it started turning too much i could quite easily make the adjustment so usually it's like this the first two especially like the first one when trying to figure out what's going on uh, like the wing, wing, like, is there something further down the field that I'm not really feeling on the T-pad? And then, uh, then yeah, just rip it. How do you feel about, uh, specifically in this competition, they had out-of-bounds lining the fairways. Now, 
go to ball golf distance competitions or really any disc any distance competition they usually do have some i want to say out of bounds area um do you feel like there should be any requirements on that is there a standard so you could like practice for it or is this unique to disc golf where it's like hey you got to throw a shot that lands within this area like do you feel like there should be a standard there david uh i think a lot of the time we're just limited based off of the the field we're given Mm -hmm. um in in the case of this competition we had a tree line on, on both sides and for the most part you had to throw it between those trees whether it was out of bounds or not in order to you know get the furthest shot there was a few instances where discs were panning out at the end and you know hugging mm-hmm. that line and they could have still measured further but for the most part you pretty much had to keep it between those lines and at competitions like the world championships sometimes it's even narrower and it's really just based on on you know the the space that you're given it would be nice to see just wide open like the desert and throw in any direction and the furthest throw you know, is the mark, but uh, sometimes you have these limitations just based on where you're at. Um, Albert, were you surprised by Adam Hammes getting one out to like six, what was it, 670, 680, 680 feet? Were you surprised? Yeah, I was like, I was the last thrower uh, in qualification and I come up there, I see the results. Okay, I have to throw at least, I think, six, 650 to qualify for the finals. And I, fr- I had thrown, the further shot I had thrown before that was like 660. So I was like, like, okay, it's going to be interesting. Kind of like nerve wracking too. Uh, but yeah, there was definitely like some big distances that I wasn't really expecting out there that day. Yeah. Adam, I think impressed himself. I think he said that was his furthest uh, recorded yeah. in competition. So good, good job for him. Um, let me ask this question to both of you besides each other. So you can't, David, you can't say Albert and Albert can't say David. Who is a competitor that you and I say this with all due fun and respect that you don't want in the competition against you. You're like, dude, I want to win. I don't want you competing because you're too good. Who's the other good distance throw? You got to pick a name. Uh, David, we'll start with you. I feel like you got to throw Simon, Simon's name in the hat there. (laughs) Him and I have battled it out for years. So yeah, he throws as far as, you know, anybody out there. So. Yeah, and again, it's I, I agree with Simon. It's hard to know again based off of wind, but one of his vlogmases, I think last year, I filmed him throwing 740 feet on a flat field. So like, but it but it was there was wind, so it's hard to know, right? Comparison to comparison. That's why these competitions are so great. Um, Albert, who who would you pick? I think AB. Like the way the speed that this comes out of his hand is like insane. Okay, so if we get rid of AB and Simon, you have a better chance to win. <laughs> but but you did it. But you did it. Congratulations, David, on the win. Um, that Just add that to your numerous distance titles. Um, and Albert, the way that you throw your shot, it seems very controlled. When you step up to a hole, like at USDGC or somewhere else, and you see that the hole says 580 feet or 620 do you feel like you can get there? I mean, during a golf round, are you going, yeah, I can probably get that? Um, I have my fun moments at the course. Uh, I think when I threw that 710, uh, like a couple rounds in a tournament later, I think it's whole, like before the 8, 8, the par 5, uh, maybe 12 then, uh, when you throw from the Coliseum to that par 4, that's like 900 feet. I think I threw one like, 
650 plus during a round there just because I have thrown it during the distance and I know I can throw the same line on the course. So every once in a while, I do some fun stuff. There you go. <laughs> every once in a while. So you you guys are both more so, you know, athletic people that we have in the sport of disc golf. Albert, you are a natural athlete, also do a lot of weightlifting. David, you've done weightlifting, or you still do it, but you've done it in the past. You've had, you know, YouTube series with Innova on weightlifting. Do you feel like that's a huge spot in the sport of disc golf when it comes to these power throwers? of getting into the gym more working out certain areas of you know their body to gain that natural distance i think it certainly doesn't hurt and i think it's good for the longevity of your body especially having that extra muscle to help support um all the all the power that goes into those throws so you you still see you know leaner throwers out there that are hitting extremely fast speeds but the bigger guys can do it too i i think muscle you know like I said, I don't think it hurts and it, it hitting the gym, you know, just makes you more athletic. So I True. Think it's an all around good thing. So. How about you, Albert? Do you feel like weightlifting in and of itself has played kind of a contribution into the longevity of your body, but also being able to get that extra distance on your throws? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I would say like there has been like some couple like big jumps when I have noticed during my career in distance. And one of them was like when I started hitting gym and uh, when you have like good technique, it's like a pretty good um, base to throw far. But if you add strength to it, it the disc can only fly further. And like once you really go like into specific how to get to like those hips more like explosiveness out of there, their body rotation, like in, you can really like do the work off the course too quite a bit. And uh, the one kid, like that's David mentioned, like, um, you get more athletic and also your uh, tendons and stuff get more uh, durable in a way mm -hmm. to have a more tolerance for load and you can throw further like way more often than just by, you know, relying on the body to recover. Now, this is kind of a question on top of that. And I think I kind of get the general idea of a question, but it actually did, did just come up in our chat. Um, how much are you guys working on your flexibility? In your everyday life with disc golf as well are you stretching and turning are you working like you know doing yoga here and there you know how are you working on flexibility and does that play a huge part in your disc golf journey and we can open it up to albert this time first and then david will answer second okay. uh i haven't done it really anymore uh i used to be a big stretcher but like now uh i found like like i've read some studies and stuff there's like i don't know not really ground like certain proof that it helps for me. Uh, I just uh, keep the mo uh, the range of motion quite big when I go to the gym, and uh, that should be enough for me. But every once in a while, I do like a massage gun and massages to like uh, ease up some tension, whatever I feel. Okay, but mostly no. Uh, David, what do you think about that? Did you hear that question? Yeah, range of motion is definitely you know, the biggest factor for the flexibility as far as being a part of your throw. So if you are hitting the gym, make sure you're doing full range of motion on your reps. You're not doing a lot of machine work. I like a lot of free weights and really try to get as much stretch as I can in while I'm lifting. I don't wake up every day and stretch. Um, naturally, I'm pretty flexible, but I do stretch every time before I go play around a disc golf or throw distance. Mm -hmm. So... Let's ask this question for the, the disc golfer out there listening uh, to this live or post. 
How much distance now? This is going to be kind of, I don't know, answer it how you will. How much distance is beneficial on the disc golf course? And what I mean for that is the pro tour. Okay. If you want to play at the highest level, how far do you think you should throw, be able to throw? Now, could you get lucky and do a lot of throw-ins? Of course you could. But I just mean generally, like, are we talking have at least 400, have at least 450, 500? Like, where is that line? Because if we're working to throw 700 feet, it's it's not as accurate, right? I mean, so like, where's that line of distance to accuracy, like on the pro tour? Uh, Albert, what do you think? Uh, my opinion to like survive on tour, uh, mm-hmm. 500 plus feet is a good thing to have. Um, the more you have it, the better. But I would say that's kind of like what I see. Okay. 500 feet will get you there. Uh, what do you think, David? Same thing. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, 500 feet. I previously I would say less, but now I'm seeing the courses stretch out a little bit further in these more open formats. So I think 500 foot is pretty standard now that you need to have. And to be clear, when I asked that question again, like someone like me would just be like screaming and looking like I'm throwing as hard as you guys in your distance comp. I'd be like, ah, <laughs> ripping it. And I'd get out there like 400 feet. Like that's not going to cut it. What you guys are saying is the controlled distance, right? You're saying over 500 feet controlled distance, right? It's not somebody ripping it as far as they can. Is that accurate? Would you agree? Okay. Albert says, yeah. So it seems to me like Albert and I, and I haven't seen a lot. I've seen a lot of videos of David, you're throwing far, but when Albert throws the effort backhand of it, it seems like you have that controlled distance on the course. Um, David, does it come to you that way as well? Without doing 360s, you can easily clear 500, right? Yeah, I can get one out there without a 360. Um, good. So <laughs> I would say yeah. close to six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Uh, let me ask this follow-up, um, and it may be very obvious, but most distance throwers are throwing backhand. Um, how far do you guys, can you throw forehand? Like, what's your farthest forehand throw? Uh, Albert, what do you think? I think I've probably like one close to like like one hole I preserved that was like five thirty. I got pin high. Um, wow, nice. So that's I think my like I haven't really pushed any further than that. Kind of like there. Imagine Nick if you could throw forehand five hundred thirty. Imagine if you could throw backhand five hundred thirty <laughs> feet. That's what Disc I'm golf would be so much more fun. <laughs> like both <laughs> options. Yeah. Um, David, do you throw forehands much? I, I I'm sorry, I don't know. Yeah, I throw a fair amount. I'm about 400 feet on okay. my sidearm. Um, I've I've got one over 500 feet in the desert before, but yeah, I'd, I'd say around 400 consistently. Okay, you versus me. I go backhand. You go forehand. The he's whole still winning. Match. Yeah, he's still winning. <laughs> he's right. still winning. <laughs> okay. um, I'll, know, roll, I'll just throw rollers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We know Albert threw the Blissa Pro. Um, David, what did you throw during your distance competition? I'm assuming some form of boss, if I had to guess. Yeah, star boss. Okay. 172. 172 star bosses. How much, actually, I'm glad you bring that up. How much do you guys think the weight really makes a difference? Like if I take a 168 gram disc versus a 174 gram disc, like how much do you really think that's mattering when I am trying to get that max distance? Obviously it does a little bit, I would like to say, but I don't know the science behind it realistically. You know, do you guys have an opinion on that? Why throw a 172 disc or, you know, 168 versus going max weight on everything? 
and Albert or David, whoever, whoever <laughs> okay, has I'll the go. answer. Yeah, whoever has the answer. Yes. Yeah. I'll go if, uh, because uh, I don't really know this answer and I don't really have that much experience. So we'll kind of like smoothly forward it to David. Okay. Do you, yeah, there you go. Do oh. you want, well, do you, do you know the weight that you threw Albert for like the 700 foot throw? Uh, I had uh, 173, all of them. Okay. Kind of like there. Yep. Yeah, so max weight, really? Uh, do you, do you feel like if you threw in that was like one sixty five, David? Like, well, I, could you? Yeah, figure it have, out? have David answer the first, uh, you know, you know. Do you think weight yeah, really matters and have four grams? Huge factor. Uh, four grams definitely makes a difference. But uh, I would say my ideal weight with no wind would be mid one sixties. That one sixty five, one sixty six weight. Um, basically it comes down to, you know, how fast your arm is able to accelerate with that disc and those changes and small changes in weight do make a difference. The faster you're able to release the disc, generally speaking, it's going to go further. So when I shift from 165 to 175, I can notice a difference of 30 feet on a max distance throw at times. Okay. It, it does make a pretty good difference. You're and you saying don't, the reason you see you see us throwing these heavier discs in the distance competitions is because we get five throws. Mm -hmm. So especially when it's windy, you may not have five lighter ones that all fly the same, or, you know, they're just less consistent in higher winds. So we'll reach towards the more overstable, heavier ones just to make sure we can get a good flight. And just to get something in play at that point. I mean, if you are consistently throwing those max distance drives, 640 feet, you're probably going to qualify for most of them but at least getting one or two in play. And then at that point you can kind of like, if you throw, you know, your first qualifier shot, it's 670 feet. Do you really need to throw, you know, four more or at that point, are you just trying to throw as far as you can in the kind of preliminary round? Yeah. If I got one that far, I'm just bombing it after that. Okay. <laughs> if I knew gotcha. I was safely. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've thought about this and some people are going to be like, okay, Matt, we know you've thought about this, but I've thought about this with my kids and distance. Like how, how can you get kids to throw further? Right. It's not usually by handing them 175 or 173, you get them lighter and lighter, but just thinking through it. And this is not an aha, like, wow, this took a lot to get to. But like, if I give a one-year-old a paper plate, they're going to be able to throw that the farthest they could probably throw anything. Like they can't throw anything that far. They can throw a paper plate the farthest. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you give me a paper plate, it's I'm going to max out the same distance they're doing. Like I can't get it further. Mm -hmm. So then you up the weight a little bit and you keep doing that until you, you got to find that perfect balance, right. For like your strength and form to weight. Like, I, I don't, I'm not a scientist. I'm just saying there is that where eventually you don't, you don't gain anymore. Or if you go too light, you lose. Right. So it's, that's a fun game to figure out. But um, if you guys, is there anything that we missed talking about for like us championships? Obviously congrats, David and uh, Albert throwing over 700. Your first time on film must be pretty special. So congratulations on that. Um, if we missed anything, let me know. Anybody, anybody, anything. I, I have a quick thing to bring up. If yeah, they, go ahead, if I don't have anything. Mm -hmm. um, we saw the team there uh, bring out the radar gun and that was very cool to see. I uh, got to see a lot of interesting numbers. Um, do you guys think that there's anything to draw from those numbers that we see besides just pure distance? So radar gun, it, the more like the fastest throw, does that really mean anything? Or can we do any extra calculations on that? Some people are thinking like, if you take uh, distance divided by speed, that that tells you something like how efficient you are. And maybe you can get towards like having a spin uh, rate number. Uh, do, do you guys do any kind of uh, 
analyzing on top of just how far you threw? I'll start with, uh, let's go, David. Um, having those metrics is pretty cool. It's something that we haven't really seen or had access to um, analyze our throws with. It's something new. And Coach Chris Taylor, he brought out that uh, that equipment, and we're really getting to see how it affects and how it's a factor in our in our throws. Uh, spin and speed, those are the two big things. What what weight they carry, um, we're still trying to figure out the whole dynamic of the spin on the throws. But generally speaking, the faster the disc goes, the further it's going to fly as long as you can keep it spinning and keep the disc from warping too bad and have a stable flight. Mm-hmm. Right, which is kind of what I'm saying I'm going back to. There's that limit, too, for how fast. Because, again, throwing lighter allows me even to throw faster. But, again, you're going to get that. Like people that threw Japan Open back in the day, they would they would all get uh, more overstable discs, right? If it was Innova, they'd get like the the Blizzard Ape or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Like it could be one fifty max, and they're able yeah. to rip it hard. And it keeps, so like there's all these variables, and I think that's really interesting that they're starting to incorporate this. Um, Evan, was that a good answer? Do you want more? You want to dig into that? No, I think that was great, Albert. If you have anything to add, if you kind of do any uh, uh, analyzing on top of the data. Uh, that'd be really um like the stats are good like the speed and spin but like i think at the same time there is this skill like how to get the disc to fly far like you can have like a really fast throw and on the stats but like if you can't like realize uh yeah realize uh, capitalizing on it on the field and really like play with the angles and stuff it doesn't really like work out so there's like another skill i think that's like how to say really subjective I, I think it was Dave Felberg, and if I'm wrong, Dave, I'm sorry, but I think he had said um, if for every mile per hour, and I don't know where he got this from. <laughs> this is a Dave yeah. Felberg thing. But for every mile per hour uh, you throw over, like let's say I threw 40 miles an hour mm-hmm. and I hit 300 feet. He goes, if you can throw 41 miles an hour, you'll get 308 feet. He's saying eight feet more for every mile per hour. Okay. I have zero idea where that actually breaks down. That's a rough number. It probably is. Um, But there would be something to it because Albert, with your skill, as you mentioned, you had to know how to throw it far. You have to be able to do the control of the disc. But if you're throwing it 75 miles an hour, and now I tell you, now you can throw it 85 miles an hour with that same control, you'll throw it farther, right? I mean, it seems like pretty basic. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, I've, I've asked all my questions. I think it'd be interesting if you guys stick around for a few minutes and play a game with us. If you guys are down for that, you have a few more minutes. Okay. Let's do it. They both all said right. yes. You've, I think you've done this with us before, David, haven't you? Stat or fiction? Stat or fiction. <laughs> Maybe you have. Maybe. I, I came on like a year ago. Yeah. 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 We can tell yeah. you're on your boat because we've interviewed you here before and you got that, whatever that fish is up on the wall behind you. Yeah. Same we got spot. we got one on a boat, one in an RV. <laughs> Good life of disc golf. All right. Yeah. Well, quickly to get into it uh, for Albert, he's playing for his first time in David since it's been about a year or more. Uh, I will give a statement, and you're just going to respond if that is uh, a stat, as in it is true, or it is not true, as in it is fiction. Um, so just true or false kind of game. Uh, and with that. Um, at the MVP Open, we were lucky enough to track a lot of data similar to the U.S. Distance Championship, uh, where we got some uh, radar gun and distance readings on hole one. Um, Albert, you were there at that event. I know, David, you didn't make it out to the MVP Open. 
but I think you have enough knowledge of the tour and players that uh, you guys can both equally have a chance at these questions. So let's get into stat or fiction number one. At the 2022 MVP Open, 11 MPL players threw 70 miles or more on hole one at least once during the three rounds. So just having a throw that hits 70 miles an hour or more, there were 11 MPL players to do so. I will start, and I'm going to get it out of the way. Fiction. That's my answer. Uh, Nick. I'll say stat. Do you think this is a stat or a fiction, Albert? Fiction. All right. Yeah, team fiction. All right, you're up, David. <laughs> Are we saying exactly 11? Or yeah, so it's exactly 11. 11. If you think it's oh. more or less, it would be fiction. But what? My statement is exactly well, that helps 11. You. Yeah, true. Yeah. It actually does. Yeah, that helps I'm you. <laughs> I'll say, I'll say stat. Exactly right. eleven. Right. Two fictions. So two I think stats. we got Nick and David with stat. We yep. got Matt and Albert with fiction. Uh, the answer is stat. Stat. Let's go. He's been ruining my thunder. Dude, that's uh, yeah, eleven too easy. players. Yeah, like that was uh, such an obvious <laughs> stat. You wouldn't do that to to the to our guests. Like no, it's fiction. Right. You know, you uh, the... Vino Makala, Ricky Wysocki, Brody Smith, Aaron Gossage, uh, Jake Hebenheimer, Calvin Heimberg, Anthony Brella, Ezra Edholt, Kevin Jones, and Albert Tom all threw 70 plus miles an hour and at least one shot. Would have would have been 12 if I played. You know, I thought it was less. Just I kidding. thought it was less than 11. All right, what's the next one, Evan? All right, sticking with the 2022 MVP Open, there were three FPO players who threw 60 miles an hour or more on hole one at least once during their four rounds. Remember, they had an extra round uh, without the cancellation on round one for MPO. So, three FPO players threw 60 plus mile an hour on hole one at least once and if it's if it's the same yeah (laughs) if it's the same fpo player it doesn't count as repeat right across those rounds uh yes it is uh, yeah different it would have to be separate individuals okay i'll start i'm gonna go fiction because it's gonna be four (laughs) (laughs) i'm going stat because now i'm like he's picking the numbers all right what do you think albert uh fiction all right all right what do you think david i'll go stat again <laughs> no all i'm right. stat with you okay so we got Matt and david with stat albert and nick with fiction and ben don't you dare ruin my thunder fiction. whether you know it or not <laughs> answer is fiction yes! <laughs> it's too obvious it's way too obvious oh, oh man. man we're doing ben, so good david the oh you forgot the poll ben. i'll tell you that oh i forgot the poll uh, i'm sorry yeah, it was only Emily Beach. Um, she hit 62 uh, just once uh, in round three. A lot of just other women player. got very close. Yeah, uh, High 50s, Ella Hansen, Hannah Blommers, uh, Jennifer Allen were all very just, close. Which also, oh, sh- shout out to Ella Hansen in general. I think she put out a shot at the distance comp, like 552 or 582 feet. It was something yeah. over 550 feet, which pretty incredible very very impressive and i know jen allen does the same thing so and jen allen hit 58 with a shoulder injury too yeah. uh, after her shot she asked me what it was and she's yeah. like i usually throw way faster okay uh but she had that bug in her uh last season yep and let's get into our final one i'm not totally sure of the nick do you have two i have two and then albert and david have one yep yep and matt with zero all right That's getting so. skunked We'll have uh, maybe Nick start this one again, uh, just for that's, that's okay. At the 2022 MVP Open, 
Albert Tom and Anthony Barella were the only players to throw 70 miles or more in each of the three rounds. Uh, so Albert Tom, Anthony Barella were the only players to throw 70 plus mile an hour on every throw. I will say that's recorded. Uh, we did get like 95%, maybe more. So, but fiction throw that qualifier. In. I'm going fiction. I'm going fiction. Fiction. Yeah. Yeah. It's a stat. It's a stat. Perfect. <laughs> Intern Ben stat. says it's a stat. Oh, man. All right. This is fiction. Uh, take that. Ben. Yeah. Take that, intern Ben. Uh, it is true that Albert Tom and Anthony Brella both <laughs> threw 70 plus mile an hour in Wait. each round. Now, how many other people did it? One? But there was one other person who did so. Drew Gibson. Uh, Just just one well yeah nick you won outright with three yeah. so uh, this is just purely for fun but yeah if you guys want to guess nick nick says drew gibson i think drew it's hebenheimer ben says hebenheimer i, I kind of remember the name uh Ebenheimer too okay all right albert goes hebenheimer. hebenheimer is like a, a a name that you remember i mean yeah <laughs> david do you do you, you want to guess anyone Simon. Oh, that's a good, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, those were all good guesses. I mean, of course, I listed them out after the first question, so it was one of those players. Uh, none of you are right. Uh, it's actually Ezra Aderholt, who threw 70, oh, 72, and 70 yeah. miles an hour. Wow. Um, Calvin Heinberg was also really close. Uh, he was 68 in one of his rounds. Aaron Gossage hit 69 in his one round. Simon also was 270s and then 168, so close. Hebenheimer was on this list. I'm trying to find out where he was. Um, but he did not. He only had one round of 70 plus. In round one, he only threw 65. So You want to know, you wanna know uh, what was great about MVP Open was when they did the million-dollar shot. Albert. Every, yeah. every player is throwing these massive flex lines, and Albert and AB are literally just throwing, like, spike hyzers at yeah. the basket. <laughs> it's just so incredible uh, to watch. <laughs> I don't have those speeds readily available, but like Tom and AB were just on a different level, like yeah. pushing high seventies, I believe, yeah. on every shot. It was incredible. Like not not to knock Ricky because he's a phenomenal player and throws the disc very far, but like Ricky is throwing these massive flex shots to get to the basket, and Albert well, threw like a spike highs of the first shot, and he went like seventy long. And we were all just like, oh my god! I think Ricky was going for the skip shot too. Was he not? Yeah, his third? I mean, yeah, it was insane. So. But. Man, uh, yeah, that was exciting. That was super fun, Albert, to have you out at MVP going for the million dollars. A million dollars is pretty life-changing, and there was a few times. Did the crowd pump you up? I mean, we were screaming our heads off thinking they might go in. <laughs> yeah, uh, the intro kind of pumped me up too much, so I kind of <laughs> overturned my disc. But, yeah, um, if I get the hold of the, the intro and, like, really can push it into my throw, I'm excited to see where the disc might go. Yeah. yeah. I think they're going to do it again. I mean, I'm only speculating. I think that was the, the goal is to do it again. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they're going to have to push it further or closer or whatever, but hopefully you're there again. Um, do we miss anything that you guys want to promote? We have you on our show, but this is an opportunity if you'd like to. Anything you guys want to talk about before we let you go? Either of you. You guys good? You need to sell anything? You well, I was going to say, Albert, <laughs> this is your first time on the show. How can people support you out on the road? You're touring full-time. You're in the U.S. a majority of the year. 
How can the people that are listening to the show, how can we support you? Uh, you can follow, oh, sorry. Uh, you can follow most of my journey from Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Albert Tam is my account. And uh, yeah, if you, uh, there's a new team series disc coming out for me. Uh, and like whenever I'm vending, all this stuff uh, is really helpful. And one thing that I wanted to point out though, uh, I think it, came through this uh, conversation before too but w- one cool feature that was uh, with this distance event was there's like the two rounds you know the qualification and the final round i think that's a really cool format and uh, i hope that we like m- more distance tournaments take uh, advantage of it they will bring out the most consistent power and you see that format like in athletics and all sorts of like different areas too mm-hmm. Okay. No, definitely. Hey, before and we'll give you some closing thoughts too, David. Albert, I've said your name tonight, Albert Tam. I think Evan has said Albert Tom. Can we just settle this? You hear it on DGN, people saying it both ways, yeah, all the time. How do you you say your last name? I thought I just heard it. How do you say your last name? Dumb. Oh, Dumb. It's with an accent, I- so it's like down the middle. I, I think I'm closer. I do. Dumb. <laughs> like the M is like <clears throat> dumb. <laughs> okay. Cause a minute ago, maybe you weren't saying your last name, but I thought I had heard Tam and I was like, yeah. oh, okay. And then I don't know. Long story short, we'll we'll give the M more of a feeling. T- Tom. There you go. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right, David, yes. how about you? Any uh closing thoughts? Any way that the people can go out and support the David Wiggins? fund tour however i don't know how much you're planning on playing this year are you getting more into the professional scene again yeah i'll be hitting some tour spots this year i'm not going to be touring full time but flying in and out and also doing some distance clinics out there again hopefully with double g so keep an eye out for those on the road wanted to give a shout out to everybody that helped put on that u.s distance competition because it's just it's moving in the right direction leaps and bounds um ted and coach chris taylor they worked on the video and created all these cool stats and everything if you haven't watched the youtube video of it it's really cool definitely go watch it i think we're close to two hundred thousand views already in the first week and um i'll become i'll be coming out with a uh kind of a commemorative disc for that distance championship here in the next few weeks that'll be on my website so very cool one way if anybody wants to buy one of those discs good way to support so Awesome. Okay. Well, we uh, appreciate having you on. I think you could go to three up or four or whatever. Three up's fine. We uh, we didn't mean for Albert to drop off. If he did. <laughs> did he just peace out? He might have oh. peaced out. No, he's still in there. It's, just, it's okay. just dark. His camera's off or something. So if you can hear us, Albert, great having you on the show. Yeah. And the same to you, David. Thank you coming on the show. Uh, we're we're grateful. Thanks, that you guys, y'all. Yeah, we're grateful you take the time for this. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Catch y'all later. Yes, absolutely. Peace out. All right. Uh, I'm not sure we actually just heard uh, David say bye there because you had him off screen. I think. I don't know. Uh-oh. It's okay. Either way, David said bye, and he said thanks, y'all. All thanks, right, y'all. cool. Um, wow. There's a lot to take in there, and it, I, I would have benefited more probably from being in person and being like, show me what I'm doing. Oh, oh, well, I was just about to say, I mean, for David Wiggins, one of the most powerful throwers in the world, has a world record, you know, is the world record holder with it. Um, doing distance clinics 
and promoting that and helping people work on said backhand form and their straight up distance. I mean, every single player that I ever talked to in the sport, when you're playing a casual round, how can I get more distance? Yeah. And like, that's still something 10 years later that I wonder, like, what can I do next to help elevate my distance and going to clinics like that? I mean, that's an incredible, if he was to do, you know, 10 of those a year, just travel around to the certain events that he goes to and runs a massive clinic. I, like he would make a crap ton of money off of it. Not that he's doing it all for the money, but in well, the sense no. of like making You're those doing trips, it for the money. <laughs> making those trips. Well, I mean, you got to pay for the trip. So, I mean, doing that, every single person would want to sign up for it. I host small clinics of just, you know, how to help out your backhand, your forehand, your putting. And that has gotten anywhere from 20 to 70 people before. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's coming from just an average thousand rated guy. But when you're talking about one of the best distance throwers in the world and you're advertising that, I mean, it's incredible. All right. Albert just texted me. He said, my phone did some funky stuff. Shoulder shrug. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for having me on the show. It was a blast chatting with all of you guys. So awesome. Thank, well, you. thank you, Albert. Thank you, Albert. Nice. And go out, you know, for anyone listening right now, take a look at, you know, Albert and David's pages. Look for their discs. I mean, they're two awesome people. I was fortunate. I think the first ever practice round that I had with Albert was 2021 Worlds out in Utah. And we were practicing on the Mulligans course. Now, this is my first round ever in Utah. There's elevation involved now. My flippy discs are stable. And I threw like my first shot fresh out of the car and it went like 360 feet. And I was like, dang, that actually wasn't too bad. And then Albert steps up and throws it and he throws it like 580 feet. And it was just so insane. Just the natural power that he gets out of his throw. So awesome, dude. Um, him and, you know, everyone across the pond that I've met are all incredible people. Wicked fun to play disc golf with. Yeah. So there's obviously a difference between distance throwing attempts meaning like mm -hmm. trying to beat somebody with distance and then trying to throw a shot far meaning like if i'm in a disc it sounds that sounded really dumb but like if you're in a disc golf round and you're like i need to throw this out 450 feet for me that's a far throw mm -hmm. and i have to know my line between where i'm just gonna spray something and like there's it's not gonna be controlled yeah. And like my max distance controlled, right? I mean, there's there's that line. You got to figure it out. Um, it, it it's interesting how like the competition is like it has it's so open ended in the types of rules. And Matt, you hit on that talking about out of bounds. Um, and uh, Albert mentioned at the end, uh, kind of a qualification process before a final round. Like your your throws in the qualification process don't matter except for qualifying. Well, um, if you if you beat the field by a hundred feet, doesn't mean a thing if you can't beat them in the finals. Mm -hmm. uh, so it. It could just be, hey, everyone throw for the qualification. Whoever's the farthest wins. Um, it could be so many different types of rules. So it's interesting to me how it kind of evolves to be like a set standard. Yeah. Uh, and what is kind of the most optimal for enjoyment of people, but then also getting your the best thrower to win. I would love to see just a straight up distance competition. Like take out the trees, you know, and literally just let these people rip a disc on these massive S lines, you know. Hopefully, I, I mean, I don't care to see it in 40 mile per hour winds and stuff like that, but to actually see a distance competition and letting people air out these shots, I think would be incredible to watch. I mean, filming, they did drones, they had people all over the place, they had spotters running around everywhere, they had the distance markers. I mean, the production in and of itself was incredible.
production was top notch like that i mean i i honestly i haven't even watched the full youtube video yet Mm -hmm. because the pro tour has been doing a great job just pumping out everything on their social media so i'm seeing tons of it but for what like it's the drone is incredible again i mean i love the data seeing the the radar speed Mm -hmm. on every single shot that's so cool uh and just getting to take all of it in if it was just you know a couple cameras on an open field you don't get that whole feeling but for what they did it it ends up yeah. being incredibly entertaining and and pushing 200,000 views like we're talking about Simon getting a lot of views on his vlogs that's a great number Absolutely. for what his vlogs are getting as good as they have been mm-hmm. uh so it cannot slouch at those those numbers no it was i was trying to take it in and consider what i was watching and why i was entertained and i mean that's just me being analytical but i feel like it's a new form of entertainment mm-hmm. and new in, a, in its own way between them having like the drone the the flying uh follow drone or whatever you want to call it the the I, i'm having a brain freeze on it but the drone following the disc a flight um the live commentary with mm-hmm. Nate and um, who was there with them? Al, uh, uh, Brian Earhart, right? Or no, who was it? Uh, why was am it I calling in Sexton? No, it was Sexton. And yeah, it was, I think it was Brian. Anyways, if I'm, if I'm mistaken on that, I'm just having a brain freeze. But let the live commentary right there to the point where almost the players. Oh, probably, everyone's saying Luke. Oh, thank you. Luke Humphrey. Yep. <laughs> That makes uh, sense. Um, but like you were able to have that, they would interview them immediately. They, they'd throw their last shot and you would actually watch them walk over and sit down to get interviewed. Yep. The entertainment value was what I'm hoping some of like the all stars that are coming up in two, just over yeah. two weeks, like that feeling to it of this is real competition, mm-hmm. but it's not that uptight feeling to it. It's kind of, it's entertaining and it's fun to watch. Do we, do we have well, an idea? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I, I'm just I'm gonna throw out the home run derby for baseball mm-hmm. is kind of like their distance competition and how much fun that is. I mean, they uh, there's not a big well known who can hit the farthest tournament outside of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when the competition is happening, it's incredibly fun for their kind of all star events. So I think Pro Tour would be it it could be their biggest competition at their all star event. Uh, it, it's incredibly fun to watch, but then you want, like you just said, to have kind of the loose atmosphere, uh, because that's what an all-star event's also about. Yeah. Um, Nick is getting solicited in the chat by coach Chris Taylor. If you want to throw farther, DM me. Oh, I'll be, DM, I'll be DMing you tonight. Excellent guy, by I the way. sent you yeah. his number, Nick. Yeah. You can just text. Yeah. Shout out to coach Chris. He, uh, yeah. was very encouraging to my children with information and tips on, on, He's a coach for golf, for mm-hmm. disc golf, for a lot of things, and he's doing really well with it. Um, reach out to him. Okay. Uh, we actually have a live call lined up. If you guys have been hearing things in the background, we got a live caller there. Intern Ben, we can all razz and say whatever we want. He's not <laughs> going to believe that I threw him under the bus here, but he said he had to pee so badly, and I'm looking off camera. He just ran away. So we, he, he's we, had not to, we had to give him permission. Yeah. You know? He had to ask permission. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and so I'm going to take care of the mute unmute function. But live caller, if you're hearing us, we're talking to you. Go ahead and introduce yourself, your name, and then give us your topic. Yeah. Hi, my name is Cameron um, from Wisconsin. And I just had a little kind of debate. Um, I was just wondering, do you guys think if Gannon has a big year this year and i know he's on a contract year do you think his contract this next year is bigger than simon's well 
first of all, I would be stupid to not act like we don't know what Simon's is because everyone's acting like they know and, yeah. and Ulti World's put it out there. So we're going to say it's a millions, even though nobody's ever come forward and said that's the actual deal. So we, we're just speculating on that, uh, as Simon said. But let's just put that out there that it is, let's say it is millions. You're asking if Ganon has a great year. Is that what you're saying? This year, if Ganon has a good year. Yeah, I'm saying if he has a little bit better year than he probably had last year. Okay. Wow. I think, I think honestly, from my end, I think it's a simple answer of just no. Um, I think one of the main reasons Simon got the contract that he did was one, he had an incredible year. And two, he's, you know, the second biggest YouTube channel that's strictly disc golf. Now you could technically say third, if you say, you know, Brody, then Jomez and then Simon. But when it let's comes say to disc golf, let's say, you know, people that have been doing it longer in disc golf, I would say you have Jomez and Simon. And especially when it comes to views, those are the two biggest channels in the sport right now that are getting the most views. I mean, that's huge marketing in and of itself for any company to sponsor a player. Now, Gannon, being an awesome player, is not at that publicity level yet as Simon is. And so I think when it comes to one of the big things when you're sponsoring a pro is potentially how many discs can he sell? If I put his name on a disc, is it going to sell and how much of it, how, how many of them are going to sell? I think Simon's one of the top five people in the sport that can really sell plastic. Um, and so even if Gannon, let's say Gannon goes and wins worlds in USDGC next year, I still don't think, and you know, I could be wrong and hopefully he proves me wrong with it, but I don't think Gannon gets a million, you know, let's say it's a million a year. I don't think Gannon gets a million dollar deal. All right. You know, if that's just about what it is, my take, and then we'll get Evans the the, the reasoning of the group, like he's, the, the, <laughs> um, I'm, my take would be the same as Nick's in a, lo a lot of ways, but then I would throw out a uh, hypothetical. Like if Gannon wins somehow a Paul Macbeth 2015 season, mm -hmm. he wins every major and he's the hottest player like ever. And you're yeah. like, we haven't seen this in a while where somebody's done that. Everybody's going to ask this question that you just brought up. You, they're all going to ask, he deserves a million, he deserves a million, he deserves a million, and then you're going to have to go, well, who's going to pay him that? Mm -hmm. So you have to look at that as well because you have to believe Eagle's next in line if he has a decent year and plays mm -hmm. as good as he has been. He's next in line to get that contract with mm -hmm. Discmania. And imagine if Gannon had this awesome year and then like jumped somehow over what perceived Eagle's making, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so then Discraft is already pretty like saturated. I mean, let's say, let's say we're talking about million dollar deals right now. You've <laughs> kind of got Paul Macbeth, Ricky Wysocki, and let's say hypothetically Simon Lazar with million dollar deals. What other companies, and let's say Eagle gets a million dollar deal from Discmania. We know in years past, Innova is not paying their players the top dollar as we've seen a lot of players move on from Innova. So it could probably be safe to say that Innova is not going to give a million dollar deal. Is Prodigy going to give a million dollar deal? And then at that point, okay, DD's already paying it, so maybe Latitude would would you know? Gannon want well a million dollars? Would yeah. he want to stay there though? And Every player, I think, in the sport of disc golf right now, if, if they were offered a million dollars, they would move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they would move whatever company, whatever it's company true. is out there. If they're if you're offered a million dollars, life changing money, and let's say for five years, you're you're switching there's not a player in the sport right now who would say no to that so to the call i forget your name was it kyle or kyler or the the phone call are you still on there yeah uh cameron cameron i had the k or the c right thank you cameron um 
I think it's an interesting question, and I'm going to pass this over to Evan, but I think what we do in disc golf really good is get excited and think the next big thing is there when something not so big happens. I think he would have to do this for a while. Um, that's, that's my answer. I don't think it would happen next year. A, a big contract for him, yes, but not, not same as Simons. What do you think, Evan? Yeah, I agree. It'll be a hefty, he'll get a hefty raise for sure. I think that's, that's a given. He could have like a solid year and he's still getting a hefty raise. Um, I, I would expect something more in whatever Heimberg's around, maybe a little bit more. And, and I have no clue on that, but you know, like mid six figures would be like 500,000 would be a lot for him. And I have, I have zero things to base it off of, but I would guess something around that. Um, like Nick and Matt were saying, it's all about moving the plastic. And I think Paul has proved it. Ricky has proved it. Simon has proved it. Uh, So if those are the only three with million dollar deals, like that sounds right to me. Um, I don't think Gann is nearly on that level for moving plastic. Of course, his play is very good, um, but we, you can see really good players who you wouldn't really guess that they're earning a million dollars. Like Chris Dickerson. I don't think anyone's speculating, Oh, he should earn a million dollars, but he should get, get, excuse me, be getting paid a lot. Um, so yeah. it, if you mentioned a 2015 year, like, yeah, you might be pushing the number, but I don't see it happening. I, the only thing I could see is if somebody, if a company was really trying to make a splash and they wanted to overpay, like I'm gonna throw out a hypothetical right now. Let's say Eagle, takes a big deal with a different company. Does Dismania want to make that splash on Gannon um, or another company loses out on their player and they want to make a big splash and they really want to prove, hey guys, we have the resources. We're going to pay this player a million dollars a year. Like I, I think it would be an overpay, but it would be like a gamble to kind of prove uh, more than there is. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yeah. I yeah, think that a, was an interesting take. Yeah. Is really where I'm interesting trying to get to take. It. Yeah, because like if Discmania lost somehow, some way, all of their top players, mm-hmm. then yes, there would be like, well, I hate to say it, but it'd be like a dynamic disc situation where they're like, we need to do some things, and we're just gonna pay. Yeah. Not I'll, that Ricky wasn't worth pretty... it, but I, I think it was one of those situations you just brought up, Evan. Yeah, I think it would be similar dynamic disc. Uh, like if Ricky. I think is worth a bigger contract than Gannon. Yeah. Um, I think paying Ricky, uh, Ricky a million dollars a year probably is going to work out, but it did feel like a, Hey, let's make a splash from dynamic. Let's get the number one ranked player in the world um, for a million dollars a year. And maybe yeah. someone else wants to do that. I yeah. think it's unlikely again, but thank you for your call, Cameron. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into another live call. Uh, we have a live caller lined up. If you're hearing us in your phone, that means we're talking to you. Can you introduce yourself by your name and give us your topic? Hey, I'm Ryan. Uh, I'm from Texas. Uh, I was going through it. I was watching Disc Golf Network's On Tour series, and I was watching the scene where they're playing kickball, and I was wondering who y'all think the best all-around athlete on tour is, like one for MP- MPO and one for FPO. Are we talking about kickball specifically? Or <laughs> no, just, just athletic. Sport? I, think, I pick yeah. a random new sport. No, so like, like, like just all around, like Kevin Jones made just like an incredible play, but he seems like a guy that could pick up anything and just dominate at it. Okay. Um, athlete. And if I was to define athlete, what are we going to pop up? You know, I, I think we know, but I just want to get it out there for us. Like, a person who is proficient it? in sports. It's a person who's proficient in sports. Um, what comes to your mind? I've got a list. Line, 
can we like say it's a game of dodgeball then? Like, I just want something to go off of. No, I mean, if, if how about no, they when can you pick up you, any sport? Yeah, when you really mean? think about like athletic people, it's someone who picks up a sport and is just kind of not naturally just good at it, but they just come in and they're better than the. Okay, you know, here we go. Yeah. Other okay. Okay. that's Paul Macbeth, um, Paul Uliberry, um, I'm gonna say Ricky Wysocki, and. And it sounds like I'm picking all the top players. And then I'm going to say, I feel like there has to be some, there has to be a, a nod of the hat or, or the head or whatever to Brody Smith being able to do what he's done in a, a few different sports. Um, those are kind of my MPO. When it comes to FPO, uh, Paige Pierce, absolutely. Katrina Allen, I, I, I'm going to have to pick one, but I'm just saying like yeah. these women at the top, I believe are all athletic, like not just because they play well at disc golf, but mm -hmm. like Katrina or Sarah Hokum comes from, or is it Katrina and Sarah both come from volleyball, like at a college yep. level. Yep. Um, Paige Pierce, if you've seen her off the course, she plays a little bit of everything. Like she's really into spike ball or she can play ping pong. I mean, I'm picking yep. some other random sports, but like dodgeball. Yeah, frisbee. <laughs> Look, I was a D six basketball player, so I'm gonna have to toot Let's my own go. horn. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um, okay, so, so we have I mean, to pick. So we have also, to pick. Who's your yeah. Who's your favorite? Well, at most most athletic. You said one MPO, one FPO. Yeah, I was gonna say for. I mean, I've played a lot of outside sports with a decent amount of the top pros. Um, Paul is someone who just naturally is good at sports. Was a good baseball player. Um, we went bowling before. He played very well in bowling. He's a decent golfer basketball player like he's just an all-around athletic dude and so i think because i've spent the most time seeing him play other sports i would want to tip my hat to him and then i think ella hansen from what kind of everyone is describing as a really really good ultimate player before coming into the sport but i also i, I don't 100 percent know i mean sarah and katrina coming from a volleyball background i could say maybe them and i know kat also loves playing golf so <laughs> we gotta Maybe pick Kat, one yeah I, most i'll say cat and paul all right uh evan what do you think oh uh, this is tough i think i would go if if it was like purely hand-eye coordination sport i think paul is like a fantastic yeah. i mean it's all the mental and stuff but if we're yeah. getting into like a little bit more athletic uh, a little bit more physical like Kevin Jones is one that people think of. Uh, I like, I kind of want to think of a little bit more outside the box, like maybe like a Chris Clemens or a Luke Sampson kind of coming to mind, mm -hmm. just like a little bit like well-rounded would be my guess for those players too. But yeah. also I could see them being strong and athletic. Yeah. It is. I mean, definitely that is a tough K KJ was what, like a college football player, college kicker before it, coming into he was a kicker. So yeah. if we're saying if it was football, like I mean, might yeah, but I mean, growing up, though, it's not like he just specifically did kicking. I'm sure in high school, he probably played three different positions. I mean, don't like, you? I played, yeah. I played football for a year yeah, and I played, played cornerback and wide receiver. Too, so, actually. I mean, yeah, you have a lot of athletic people. Ricky, Jeremy you, Colling is a really good basketball player, along with Paul Uliberry, are both yeah, really well, good like, basketball players. So I would take like Andrew Marweed in basketball, Connor O'Reilly, too. Like, yeah. uh, it, it's kind of tough to <laughs> have kind of an but, all around sport because. Yes, uh, but like, but at the same time, and I know you guys don't have kids that I'm aware of, but it's interesting same. looking. Yeah, <laughs> looking looking at my children, and um, they all have different natural giftedness, right? And they can all play disc golf, but there's certain ones are standing out to me in my head as being like. And my wife will have this conversation. Will say there is a natural athletic talent there, like mm -hmm. 
Give him a football. He can throw it perfectly. Give him yeah. a baseball. He swings the bat right. Give him yeah. basketball. He's I mean, biggest thing hoops. just like just it's that like, hand-eye coordination yeah, and teaching that into a kid early on. I mean, so I think who it's is huge. that on the course? There are also. I'll say this really quick. There's also a lot of top pros who are some of the most athletic disc golfers, and they are super unathletic when it comes to almost any other sport. Like I've seen a couple bat. Uh, Disc golfers shoot a basketball, and I'm like <laughs> okay, okay. embarrassed to well, watch it. Like I want to burn here. my have eyes you, out. <laughs> have you ever? Seen, I think it was like the Argentina soccer team, so like uh, Messi and a bunch of other great players yeah. playing basketball. And you're like, oh my goodness, yeah. I could beat Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo oh, yeah. in one-on-one basketball. Like I am confident of it. Um, so yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not trying to shame them if they yeah. uh, aren't picking up sports. Long uh, story short, yeah. Long story short, to our caller, but, I I pick Paige and Cat, or excuse me, um, Paul and Cat. Okay, and uh, I, I know uh, that, that Kevin Jones always, I've talked about it in previous episodes. KJ's pretty athletic. I feel like, are we missing some European player? I mean, si- okay, Simon. But there's see, this is where as, as... Simon is so good at niche sports, but put a basketball yeah. in his hand, and I bet you he doesn't make one three-pointer. <laughs> yeah, but the way he, so I know, now I'm picking But as on, a darts player and like a pool and a player. And a disc golfer. And a disc golfer, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is where I wanted some yeah. guidelines, because okay. we could go on and on yeah. about like, pick, right. like it's some tough. random sport, and it's going to yeah. be totally different. It's tough. That was I, a good call, though. I, I do agree with the Ella Hansen uh, call. I, I almost want to go like Evelina Salonen for uh like she played oh, yeah. not pickleball but that kind of sport I think zach melton paddle. is nasty at pickleball so like zach yeah. could be in it is pickleball even like, a sport i'm just kidding i'm just kidding you guys are I'm missing doing... uh holland hanley i feel like that's oh like, yeah holland hanley yep. yeah yeah sure ben yep i'm Thanks. just kidding no, that's a great <laughs> yeah. answer someone goes or, uh, anthony allegra says medio for talking alabama trivia <laughs> can we say that most most pro players in disc golf have some level of athleticism obviously yeah. but then i think of like stacy ronsley i remember she was telling us was it volleyball as well maybe um when yeah. we had her on like so these players are definitely doing other things and they're like hey disc golf's pretty cool and there's an opportunity let's mm-hmm. go do it so all right i think we have another caller lined up um intern ben's the one screening these so i hope we got something good here let's yep. see how it goes go ahead and let's if you're hearing me on the phone call um thank you for uh reaching out to us uh go ahead and give us your name and what's your topic To the uh, oh, if, this, yeah, yeah, this is the this Nick is, and Matt show. <laughs> hey, Nick, this is this is Joe, and uh, my topic was uh, over this weekend. Uh, they had the um, the PGA tournament at Torrey Pines, and they mic'd up one of the players on day three during the middle of the round, during one of the holes. And do you think that would be a good idea if the PDGA? did that with a player during during the round during an actual round just not one of the um practice rounds or or something just your thoughts yeah so thank you for submitting that and you sent a youtube link for that and so i was able to check that out earlier and it's interesting for sure i'm not sure if you've watched the jomez coverage where they do round coverage with mics like they're mic'd up um now jomez picks and chooses what makes the cut uh, I'm sure they're not putting in uh, obvious profanity or th- or whatever else might get said by our top yeah. players, but they are mic'd up during a real round. I think the interesting part would be to bring it to live coverage, which is a little bit harder to manage because then they're going to have to do some type of stream delays and all that stuff to make sure that they can filter if they need to. Um, but the concept is great. Now, my take on this is that the players are who, who are going to say yes to this I don't know if they're the 
the players that everyone's most interested in hearing from. Cause like, I don't see our top most competitive saying, yeah, like well, throw a mic on me live. Like, I don't know. Maybe they would. Let me cut you off. Like well, with, I, I with the pro tour starting to have tour cards, they can start to say some of this stuff. They can say, Hey, under your tour card uh, agreement, yeah, we're allowed to pick you out. Let's say like, it could even be as simple as, Hey, one interview per year, uh, non final round or something like something pretty friendly like that. It could be second round, uh, 16th hole. We get to mic you up and it's part of your agreement. Okay. If you say no, like we could choose to strip your tour card. Like, mm-hmm. it, like I'm getting into hypothetical here. Mm-hmm. Not that they're actually doing that. You're so going you to get around to that. <laughs> well, that's, hey, but is that not what the uh, other sports I was, do? Like, I don't know if this, I, I have one no idea. In the Think, okay. I, I have my but, comments. But have I have that, my comments after Think the of the NFL. The NFL, so, all the all a, the greats have done a, it. Yeah, go ahead, caller, go ahead. For the, for the PGA Tour, this is a brand new initiative, and this is only what their second or third round or sec, second or third tournament this season. Luckily, they did this with this person on the third round. So, and he was, I think he was, uh, I think he was like in seventh or eighth place at the time, and then he, he ended up winning the third. tournament there at Torrey Pines. Yeah. Yeah. During the interview, Max he was tied for third. Yeah. Who he was, was it? For third um, during, the, during that time? Ma- Max Homa. Oh, okay. Max, Max Homa. He's a good guy. Yeah. So Max Homa. I'll, I'll finish my thought, though. Sorry. Uh, is I think what really made this special with the PGA Tour is they're talking through his process. It wasn't like, hey, how's it going? How's the weather? Uh, like, how are you feeling? Like a generic, like, coach halftime interview in any other sport. Like, it was like getting into his thought process. And I think that's really cool. Like now imagine, uh, it's sorry for the Jomez ones that have happened before, or like if you have like GK skins and things like that, uh, it's general feelings and just general chit chat. I really like this because it was an interview and it was like, Hey, what are you thinking right here? Like someone just threw in the rough. What's going through your mind? What's your game plan? Thank you. This whole going to this whole, like, there's water on this side and thick woods on this side. What is your game plan? What are you aiming for? What is your goal here? If you execute, awesome. If you don't execute, then what's your plan? That's really cool and insightful. And I think it was a great move by the PGA Tour because it's getting people Let me, to understand the game more and to really get engaged in golf, which is a slow sport. And so disc golf, I think, would be a very good thing to engage. I'm going uh, I'm to play this audio for you at, at, that Evan just talked about. Um so just listen, I think you're right, Evan. This kind of sound was really cool. So I'll kind of jump around a little bit to get where we need, but here's the start of it. We're heading over to 13 and we're going to introduce a new initiative. And we thank Max Homa for allowing us to do this. We have given him an earpiece and we're going to be able to watch and listen and even speak to Max as he plays this part five 13th hole. So then he goes and he hits he hits his drive and as he's walking down the fairway they're literally talking to him. So let me kind of get there. Max, can you hear me? It's Trevor up in the booth. Hey Trev. What's up, buddy? Not too much. Beautiful tee shot there down the middle. Talk us through that with the dog leg left. Are you trying to sweep the draw there? You're trying to go with the butter cut. What is the process for you? Yeah, I, I primarily cut it off the tee, so this one's a little awkward. I get about coach and caddy let me draw one maybe once a day maybe once a week i'm just gonna kill it there but the point is that is different that is different than anyone has done and i guess i'm thank you for teeing that up no pun intended evan because (laughs) we were talking about just like miking up players but there's a difference here and that was my point when i was saying i don't think i see a lot of our players at the top level right now wanting that 
I don't know if they're too uptight or not, but I don't think they want somebody in the DGN booth being like, so tell us about that drive you just threw, right? And, and like, I, the fans would love that. I don't see our players unless you say, like you said, Evan, but I don't think they're going to make them do it. Yeah. All right, well, Nick, I what's just, your thought? I just want to know why we don't have a shot in disc golf called the butter cut, because <laughs> that sounds incredible. I have no idea what a golf shot, what a butter cut is, but I want it in disc golf. I Same. want to steal something else from golf and put it in disc golf, and that's the butter cut. Um, maybe that'll be my next disc will be the butter cut. Um, anyways, I think that's super cool. I think it would be a little harder in disc golf. And the reason I say that is our holes are much shorter. So I think time wise of getting up to the next shot is definitely not as much time. So, you know, Hey, what'd you do here? You know, if it's only a 280 foot hole, unless you're specifically saying on this par five, we're going to mic you up and talk to us about it. Um, I think it would be super boring on a wide open course. What about like that? waiting to tee off? Oh, they kind of do this, but waiting to tee off if there's a backup, like being able to interview, like yeah. in that kind of way. But again, I don't see our players wanting that. I could see some players wanting it. I think there's, some. yeah, I think but there's a lot of players who would actually really get into that. Our and top, I, like our yeah. top five, top 10. It, it, I mean, it also, there, like- it also depends on how they're playing. I mean, realistically, if, if you take a guy <laughs> who, you know, in round three, who, is on chase card or third card, they might be in somewhat of a better mood compared to the guy who's in third place, but having a really bad round. So it's just dropping them like the guy who's on the lead card and just having a really bad round. Like, obviously you're probably not going to be able to mic up him, but maybe that guy that's on third card will be more conversational about it. I don't, I, I could see it going the both way ways. they did it here in this PGA mic'd up situation was really intriguing. And so to the caller that provided to us, thank you very much for that. Uh, thank you for that topic. And just to round out for one second, Matt, uh, I, I think it's tough to say, Hey, does the player want it? Cause some players are going to be like, Hey, I don't want fans on the course. Some players are going to be like, Hey, I don't want any cameras on the course anywhere around me because you're getting into my way. Like there are things that you have to evolve around. Yes. This is more, let's say intrusive, uh, than cameras or fans. Uh, but it is another step, uh, in the ultimate goal and what the players play for is to make money from these tournaments, have fans. And this, I think is a good initiative that will go f- more fans but of course it's about the right like medium you know i think the biggest thing though is no mid-round interviews in the sense of hey i'm (laughs) nick carl and i'm here with evan kearns now evan how's your round going stuff like like that's garbage miking up someone and then you know terry miller and nate doss talking to booth saying hey nick you just threw or hey evan you just threw this incredible shot talk to us about your how you're attacking this dog like left par four and then yeah, th- this was in good taste. That. Yeah, exactly. That's what yeah. I'm saying. They did it but right. Like pulling someone over and saying like, oh, hey, let's talk mid round. Like that just sounds. Awful. What about like, yeah, you're coming into the final three holes and you're yeah, down I'm, one. What's that? your strategy? Oh in all seriousness, if it was just for the fans, there would be so much intrigue to that. But we know there's a lot more going on than that. So I don't see that happening, but I would like to see some of that happen. All right. I think we have another caller lined up intern, Ben. Yep. All right. Yep. All right. Let's see. This is our last live call. Thank you. If you're hearing us on your phone, you're on. What's your name and what's your topic? Hey, my name's Tom. I'm in Vermont. And my my topic is, um, you know, every time you talk about disc golf or players talk about it, they talk about it being a, a game, a mental game, a mental game. It's all a mental game. And so my thought is that I think that we should um, outlaw earbuds during tournament play. 
I think it's a way for players to get out of their own heads to escape. And I think it, in some ways, it's an unfair advantage. And I think it would level the playing field in some form or another. Interesting topic. Um, I Something wanna just, that we've brought up a lot before in the past. Episodes, and yeah. I'll say this, <laughs> when it comes to, and this is me, my own, as Nick Carl, this is my personal opinion. I think it, when people are wearing headphones during a tournament round on, you know, Jomez or DGN, I think it looks super unprofessional. That's my own personal opinion. I wish headphones were banned from tournament play. That's just me. I just think it looks trashy. And I, I don't know. Maybe there's a huge advantage to it. Maybe there is. But what's to say like a player who you have a 10 minute backup on a hole you go and walk 50 feet away from your card. You take your phone, you put it up to your ear and you listen to that song. Like, I don't think I just think headphones look awful. So that's so why yours is I appearance think, mainly. Yes. Is it banned in golf? Because Max Homan in the interview had it on his ear, but I didn't know if that was only for the interview. I think it was just for the interview. Yeah, if it was probably just for the interview, though. Okay. I mean, like pre-shot or like pre-warm-ups, pre-tournament warm-ups, stuff like that, wear them until they say your name on hole one, then I, so, that's, that's what I would say. All right, I, I'm going to bring up the devil's advocate of the hypotheticals, all that stuff. You know, I could do that forever. Um, and snowboarding. In the Olympics or anything like that, like skateboarding. I know we're not skateboarding or snowboarding, but there's something about the culture of both of those sports where you see them throw on over-the-ear headphones or they get their earbuds. They're literally looking at their phone. They hit play on their playlist before they do the half pipe, right? Um, and nobody else is hearing that, and it's putting them in the groove or in the, the mindset to be able to perform at their best. So part of me goes, everybody could do that. Everybody can do that right now. So I don't see it as an, a fairness thing. I feel like if you know what's going to allow you to play better and it's within the rules, you should do it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to say something that everyone's going to hate. Bill Belichick and the Patriots were, argue it how you want. They were best known for exploiting where the rules were missing. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They would say there's no rules here and it's going to help us. So we're going to do it. Yeah. Okay. And I'm not saying to take it as far as cheating, of course. Yeah. But when it comes to earbuds, I don't think I would say it's unfair. Um, I don't, I don't, like I said, I don't think it's super unfair. And I'm also, if I'm playing on a card with someone, I'm never going to go up to them and say like, Hey, I think that looks awful. Or like, I think you're getting an unfair <laughs> advantage. Like it, it does not bother me that much. Yeah. I'm just saying when I'm personally watching it, it's like, I don't know. I just like, what if I'm watching a pro golfer and all of a sudden he just got beats by Dre on. And I'm just like, what? What am I looking at right now? Well, like, I don't but, know. If, it, if okay. it's allowed, if it's allowed, then I can't complain too much about it. Which I don't think I've really ever complained about it. <laughs> I just think it looks bad in my own personal. I opinion. know they're different sports, like the ones I brought up. They're different. I'm sure I could find others, and I would agree. If I saw them in golf wearing headphones, it would be a, a interesting or a look of like, what are they doing? But the same time, and I know it's different, but how clean do some of these NFL players look getting off the plane going to the Super Bowl with their beats by Dre or whoever? Like, it looks, it can look really professional too. Now, okay, I know they're then, on the course. Then show up to the tournament wearing a three-piece suit and your beats by Dre. And then everyone will think, hey, man, you look fly before you're around. <laughs> yeah, that's you great. Just, that's, just, that's amazing. You said right into Nick's argument. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll I'm talking about how they look. Like it does, it's not a bad look. What you're saying is it looks out oh, of okay, place okay. on the course when they're playing. Yes. It looks out of place. Yes. It's not that it looks bad. You're not actually saying like, dude, that looks bad. Oh, I them. think some headphones look okay. horrible. Like, <laughs> dude, if I was to show up in a tournament in these, I would yeah. think I'm the biggest loser, you know, on the course. <laughs> 
Um, now, a pair of AirPods are a lot more slick, and especially the new, like the latest gen of them, they're definitely a lot more slick. Um, people could argue that they're distracting when it comes to like trying to get score and the person yes. doesn't hear it. You could that's argue all that. a side topic right that's now. A, that's I a agree. side topic. I agree. Yeah. You'd have to yeah. make sure you can but, hear and be able to call. Yeah, like that. That's it, separate. If, my, if yeah. people are warming up for the tournament, they got whatever headphones they want to wear. You could take headphones from 20 years ago and wear those and no one's going to bat an eye at it. But the second that the tournament round starts, I think when I'm watching Jomez or DGN or anything like that, I don't think it looks great. But like I said, that's just me. And I'm doing opinion. devil's advocate because I think I actually agree with a lot of what you're saying, yeah. but I don't love the idea of just because we think something looks a certain way. If, if it's like, okay, I'm going to, now I'm going to take it a step further. We'll probably ruffle some feathers. Smoking. The PDGA has not allowed it on the properties mm -hmm. at these events. And I don't know if that's fully because of advantage or perception. There could be a little bit of both saying like, hey, I need the nicotine. So then mm -hmm. they can do a nicotine patch if they need to or whatever. Or vaping is not allowed is my understanding as well. Yeah. Um, I think any tobacco products. Are but I think, and I, again, this is off the cuff right now, but the majority of that is probably due to a perception thing. If, if Maybe that happens someday for headphones or earbuds, but it's not right now. But I agree, it does look a little funny. That's my kind of summarization. Yeah. Evan, do you yeah. have any thoughts uh, on that? I'm pretty neutral on this. I think my only thought is the caller is specifically saying about it like an unfair advantage. Um, I don't quite see that being the case. I mean, if it's if you use music to get like in a groove and get your mind off the game and help your mental game, uh, you could easily do that with a lot of other things. Um, you know, besides like a fan like heckling you, like you can't get that out. Like, but that doesn't really happen. Like, if you're just trying to get into like the zone, you can do it in so many different ways. I mean, Eagle McMahon has his. I, I'm, I'm forgetting what it's called, uh, but the the game that he Kendama. brought on the show and was thank. Thank you this kendama that gets him in the zone it gets his mind just like calm right uh, is, is that an unfair advantage mm. i mean some people play you know like cards during backup some people have right. like beads on their bag some Hacky people just sacks. put their thumbs mm -hmm. there's there's so many different ways to get out of the zone so i don't i don't necessarily see it that as being like unfair advantage i don't mind if that does help out um i i see the pros and cons of trying to look good and look professional i also see the you know I guess it's, it's pros and pros. It's just the different sides of of um, kind of just laid back sport that we have. So I, I'm not going to make an argument okay. either way. And I'm going to take this one little step differently because Nick talked about the appearance of it. Mm -hmm. Albert, Tom, oh, <laughs> I nice. don't know how to do that. Mm, nice. I don't know how to do that. But he wears shades, right? Now, shade like glasses. Yeah. They look yeah, good. Yeah. They look fine. They, they're professional, yeah. right? And a lot of players are doing that. Now I'm going to try to cross both of these. Have you tried on any of these new Bose or any of these other headphones now that are glasses? They go through, they're like, I forget what they call Ooh, them. Are they vibration? Yeah, they go into the side of your head where oh, it's vibrating. And so when you're wearing cool. glasses. Well, someone, someone was just saying they, if I'm using headphones in a tournament, I use the Trexy Aftershock. They don't go in your ears. They play through the yes, bone conduction exactly. on your cheeks. So, so you have music going, talking about. but ears are open. I've never even heard so, of that. The point, my point I'm making is you wouldn't really be able to tell people are listening to anything and they'd be wearing glasses. So with that in mind, Nick, does that fix for you what your kind of issue was? Like, it wouldn't look bad. Yeah, be, I mean, yeah, appearance-wise, if it doesn't it look good. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if it looks good, I, I don't think the music is an unfair advantage. Like, okay. if someone's watching music, or excuse me, oh, God, that was, was awful. Funny. If someone's <laughs> listening to music, like, I don't think, if I'm complaining that they're getting an unfair advantage, then I'm just an idiot and a bad player to be honest like i don't think <laughs> someone's gonna beat me because they had headphones in and right. i didn't or they were right. listening to music and i wasn't you know but 
Well, there uh, you go. I, I found maybe the crossover there. And actually, there is pretty interesting technology. You can actually try it. This is not a paid ad over at Best Buy, the local store to you. You can go try them out. They're pretty neat. Um, all right. That was it for our live calls. Um, we ran behind on our start. We're not going to go extra long on the closeout here, but I did want to ask as a closeout question, and this is just like very large, not rhetorical, large and open-ended, is like what's going to happen this season? So we're really close. Um, last season, we saw a lot of different winners. Mm -hmm. A lot of me wants to believe that's what we're going to see again. If I had to ask Evan, the stat guy, does it seem like either Paul or Ricky, now this is hard to say Ricky, but do you feel like these top three or four players had, how do you say this? I, I want to say off years because we've seen some of them perform at higher levels as far as wins are concerned. Obviously, if they finish in the top one, two, three, four, five last year, they did fine. But as far as wins are concerned, I guess is what I'm trying to focus on they didn't have the same amount as like a dominant season. Are we going to see that? I know we talk about that at the end of last year is the dominance of, you know, disc golf players over. What do you think, Evan? Do you think it's like done and we're going to continue to see like spread out? Yeah. If you're talking dominance, like double digit wins, I think, I think we've seen the end of that. It would have to take like a, I mean, people are going to say like Chris Natar could do it next year. Uh, maybe get a burr. I don't know. Uh, I think, I think we're done seeing that at least for a long time. It'd have to be a, a especially historic season to see double digits. Um, but if we're talking someone uh, winning, let's say six tour events in a year, um, I think that's possible. I don't think it should be the expectation for a top one or two player though. Uh, if both Paul McBeth and Ricky Wysocki come out next year and let's say win a max of three or four tournaments, like they did this year, pretty much. I wouldn't, I, I'm not calling that an off, off year, especially if you're counting in the top tens, like you said, we're not talking about that. If we're pure, purely wins three, four sounds great. I think Tatar, uh, you're, you're probably expecting five or six or maybe seven. Uh, assuming she plays a full year, that sounds about right. I wouldn't be surprised, uh, if it was lower end of five, I wouldn't be surprised if it was the higher end of like eight. I just don't think it's gonna be double digits, total dominance. I think we're going to change our expectations compared to like 2015 with Paul Macbeth. Thank you for clarifying. 2019 with Paul Macbeth. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying. I didn't read that question out very well. When I said dominance or off year, it was with the understanding of how wins used to be. So uh, well, the way the yeah, season I mean, went, they didn't have an off year. Exactly. Yeah. Paul Macbeth may be having an off year because he's not winning every week, but he's still <laughs> right. getting, you know, top 15s right. regularly. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think people need to adjust that expectation. And mm -hmm. yeah, the year Paul Macbeth, is, of course he won worlds. Yeah. But like, you know, yeah, it's, it was a good year. Like what is, what is our expectation at this point now in the sport of disc golf of what is a dominating year, you know, Simon had four lead series wins. Ricky had four lead series wins on top of the pro tour championships. Paul won a major with an elite series win. I mean, what do we see as dominant now? I don't think we're going to ever see a 2015 Paul McBeth type year again in the MPO division. Now, Gannonburg, <laughs> I would definitely say like, I think Kristen will win a majority of the tournaments next year. Cause I honestly, right now, I just think she's that much better than a, a majority of the players in her division. I can't wait. FPO has never been so exciting. Haley King just dropped her tour schedule. And mm -hmm. last year, that was, I, I'll say her issue was consistency, yeah. like hitting tournaments. 
she had a lot going on is my understanding like you know personal stuff going on definitely does not allow you to go up as much as you'd like go ahead evan I'm I, I just I'm gonna have a bold take and I'm gonna uh argue against you and say I think people will be surprised uh with I don't wanna see how few events Kristen's gonna win because she's gonna win a lot still. Yeah. Uh but people are gonna expect if she plays the whole tour to probably hit that like eight of eight wins that I was saying. I think that there's gonna be a lot more fantastic women coming for the wins. I mean, I think Paige and Kat are gonna have like a rejuvenated offseason. I think honestly, they're a little shook by how good Kristen was. I think Aussie's going to give them the right amount of time. And then we have all these up and comers. I mean, Valerie Mandahano, although she's going to miss part of the year with her injury, um, is only getting better. Um, we're talking about all, all these other players only getting better. Um, I think we're going to see that gap close on any given weekend. I think Chris Notar is going to be overall yeah. the best throughout the season, though. I mean, Coach Chris Taylor literally just said it best. Evelina has the best stats in the F- FPO division. <laughs> if, if, big if, <laughs> if she can putt. I yeah, mean, which I actually, oh, I'm a, sorry. I'm going to cut you off ahead. again. Go ahead. Uh, I did some analysis in this. If, yeah. if Evelina Allen and putts uh, 75%, which for FPO is, is pretty good. It's, it's a little bit above average. Um, if she does that, like she has by far the best birdie percentage on tour mm-hmm. uh, for the women. Like she, that's, that's her goal. Just go 75%, which I think is completely attainable. It is above average, but I think, I think any any woman in the field can hit that if they just put effort into putting. It's just whether where your priorities fall. But so it, she is so good, just needs one small thing to figure out. Perspective is one everything. Small, big thing. One small huge thing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> perspective is everything because and you've been around long enough, Nick and others here, I'm sure, to see remember the dominance of Paige Pierce. Yeah. And I've known that for a lot of my disc golf life. Like Paige came in about the time, I don't know, four or five years into it, she started really doing well. And then that's kind of who I knew for a long time as being dominant. She'd win everything. Mm-hmm. You kind of get used to like, that's how things are. And then Kristen comes in and, and I, I don't mean to downplay uh, Katrina, very large part of the story, mm-hmm. the battle back and forth between Paige. But then you have Kristen coming in and having what we would call a dominant season enough meaning the event she showed up to she won or she was on podium yeah um, literally 100 percent of the time yes so you kind of get conditioned in your brain to think that like it's got to be somebody doing this but i think to evan's point the year that Kristen had do you think it's like repeatable statistically i mean it obviously it's it can happen but like the statistical likelihood of like continuing that is the is the FPO division there? Like where it's like, well, there's nobody that's really able to knock her off. She's in the top three. It's gonna just it's a stat that's just gonna be, you know. I, and I don't know. I don't think she's gonna win as many as she did last year. I think that was an excellent year, and I think she's a phenomenal player. But I'm rolling the dice on stats. We'll just see. Maybe she comes back better. Yeah. But I'm excited. She could. Yeah. I'm excited. Um, there's a lot of great FPO talent out there. It's yeah. not the Paige Pierce show anymore. Yep. Yep. Um. So, MPO side, is it the same old, same old? I think it's going to be super diverse next year and who wins any event. I mean, it's depending on what changes with courses. I mean, I heard Vegas is changing a little bit. We got the Open at Austin this year, which is a brand new tournament. Um, We've got Paul going away to Europe for seven or eight weeks, you know, and showcasing the European events with all the European players out there as well. Um, I think kind of like this 
past season, we're going to see a lot of new winners in the circle. I think you'll have the consistent guys. Like I think Ricky and Paul will be consistent. I think Gannon could potentially be up there in the consistency of winning these events. Um, but there's a lot, a lot of talented players in the MPO division. So at this point, it really is who's been really working their butt off during the off season and can come out, you know, strong going into this year. Man, I'm every year we're interested to see what it is because it writes a storyline. Yeah. I, I don't have a big take for this year. I'd have to really sit and think a lot longer about it. But I think we're going to have a fair amount of parity as well, um, like we have had. And I've said this last year, and I still believe it. Eventually, if disc golf continues on this trend, it will be a career achievement to win one of these events. Mm -hmm. Eventually, when you have 72 players who are could win any given week. Yeah. That's a big difference. Well, I mean, I yeah, you kind of feel that way in PGA right now. Like yeah. I could not make a legitimate bet on any player except I would look at, you know, who's been playing well lately. Like John Rahm is a great person to bet on right now in golf. Max Homa just won that last event that we were talking about earlier. But disc golf has slowly gone that direction of, you know, we've had tournaments where I think it was, you know, uh Paul won Waco and then didn't cash at DDO. Ricky won DDO, but then didn't cash at Des Moines. Simon, who we haven't seen win an event in a while, wins four of them throughout the year. And so it's kind of like, who who are we betting? Coriella's two second place finishes this year. Um, Aaron Gossage almost winning worlds. It's so many different players now. And it at this point, I think in the MPO division, it can be a lot of people's weekend where five years ago we were like, yeah, there's still really only four or five people who can consistently win on tour right now. Um, I do think, though, in the FPO division, we do have shooters in the FPO division. Like, we've seen a lot of different players win in FPO. Um, the Valerie Mandahanos, Katrina Allen, Paige Pierce's, you know, Kristen Tatar's players of that caliber. But I, I just think personally right now, if I'm a betting man and I'm saying who's going to take down Vegas, which I don't even know if Kristen's going to Vegas. Um, she is not. She is not. Okay. So if I'm saying, like, who's potentially, if she's going to Waco, is she going to Waco? I think Waco is her start. Okay. If I'm going to say who is potentially going to win Waco, I would say Kristen Tatar just because of the stats and the incredibleness that she had last season. But that's just me. She's going to be consistent, but man, uh, you got to believe that Paige, Katrina, Valerie, Haley, and I'm leaving some names out that yeah. are up and comers as in yeah. they're starting to make their name. I'm really hoping that we get a place where like there's 10 women that are mm -hmm. contention going into the last mm -hmm. round. Like that will make for exciting disc golf. 20, I mean, 2020, what is Kristen rated right now? 992? Like 2023 might be the year that we see a thousand rated FPO player if Kristen Good can call. really jump out Could those happen. extra eight points. Imagine that. So, I mean, there, there's just a lot that can happen this year. And I think in the next two weeks, we'll have the speculation episodes of our hot takes, who's going to win, who's not going to win, and like legitimize it. But go ahead, Evan. Yeah, I, I, I just to go back to your point uh, about the betting favorites, I think like Kristen Tatar clearly is going to stay at that, even if yeah. there's going to like, I, I think there is going to be a few more winners this year, um, a, even more battle at the top. I mean, Tatar ran away with enough last year. I think it's going to be slimmer this year, but I still think she's going to be the favorite. And on the MPO side, I still would say that uh, Paul or Ricky will be your favorite most weekends. I mean, mm -hmm. maybe Gannon gets on a hot streak. Eagles maybe back. Man. Uh, plays a few events and you're like, wow, he's looking like European open Eagle. Uh, so maybe you kind of get these new favorites, but it's gonna be the same old names that you always think of. What yeah, if Simon, favorites. what if Simon but, repeats, man, like three wins, like, come on. I, th 
I'm telling you that MVP deal is going to look mightily good for them. If yeah. he if he wins multiple events this year, like uh, discs are already showing us selling off the shelves. Excuse yeah. me. Uh, it'll be unbelievable to see worlds. what happens. Simon like, wins world worlds. Burn down. The Vermont, year he switched to MVP. Vermont. We yeah. had last time we went to Vermont. We had two players who you did not expect to win worlds went on to win worlds with Paige Shu and Greg Barsby. So I think Worlds being in Vermont is incredible for that reason, and I'm obsessed with Vermont. I'm so counterpoint though, how did yeah. Simon do at GMC last yeah, I'm year? Just say uh, I don't know. I don't know. Gary, temper your ex- expectations. Yeah. Uh, I believe he missed cash. Yeah. I don't want to rag on him. Uh, he was actually uh, he he went from winning him. No, he went from no, so we, yeah, he went from yeah, potentially yeah. missing cash uh, to winning the next weekend. Is that what you're saying? I'll, I'll jump in stat real quick. <laughs> that I actually while we were doing the Simon interview, I of course did not say it during that episode. Uh, didn't want to shine him in a yeah, good <laughs> or bad light. It's kind of a combo. Uh, Simon is the first player ever to win two elite or majors in a year and also come outside the top 50 uh, two or more times. Multiple, sorry, multiple wins and multiple outside 50s in the same year. What a year. guy. What so, a guy. Uh, first player ever to do that. Yeah. Uh, there have been players who have had uh, one or a single one. Uh, like Connor O'Reilly comes to mind and uh, when he won Delaware, yeah. um, not to rag on him either uh, name drop, just one of the list. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would already argue that MPO has already seen kind of career accomplishments by just winning an elite event. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Bradley Williams, of course he won in 2016 when at the Vibram open, the first ever pro tour, but winning this past year preserve, like that's a career moment. Like, Hey, yeah. that's a, I, I'm going to say it. It's about Bradley's peak right now in his career. He's a very yeah. good player, but winning an elite event like that is like, one a season is his peak. I mean, a little bit Drew Gibson too. He's won two now as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, you know, his year achievement right there was winning LBC. That's the one solo thing that stands above. You ask Ricky, I mean, which one? Maybe the one with 35K. Maybe it was a different event like Ledgestone, but it's like, it's like you don't know which yeah. one, which was his best performance. Uh, so it really stands out. I mean, I think we already saw Isaac Robinson getting on the scene, like as good of a player he is, he might win zero events this year. It's very likely that he just does not win. Mm-hmm. Um, he's good enough to win, but there is a chance he doesn't. So I, I yeah. think we're already seeing it. It's already here. I don't think FPO is quite there yet where it's a career achievement that we see uh, one win. Um, mm-hmm. I think we'll see multiple. Yeah, it's, it's definitely growing there. Agreed. Yeah, uh, there's a lot to look at, and we will break that down. Um, we've got other interviews lined up already. We're not going to tease them out yet until we're sure about the actual <laughs> schedule of it all, but yeah. uh, we're we're down to the end of the show here. Uh, we've talked about a lot. Uh, we started out a little bit crazy tonight because of our show's actual tech stuff, but uh, we've made it. Nick's in studio, and turned Ben held it down, Evan, and then we had Albert. Tom, he said Tom. Tom. I think it's Tom. 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 Yeah. Tom. Tom. Say it again. Dumb. <laughs> Tom. Dumb. Uh, all right. Like start saying the M and then stop. Yeah. Tom. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then uh Dumb. and then David, David Wiggins. 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 Um, really quick, before everyone actually does end up leaving. Well, actually they already did. Yeah, everyone's already leaving because we're at the end of the show. <laughs> but go check out the Jomez premiere with Simon and Jomez. And the video that they're coming out with tonight is the night. I think it started at nine o'clock. So after this, go check it out. Um, our boy Simon is doing incredible things in the sport of disc golf. So fun fact for those of you who stayed this far. Uh, here, I'll put it up. Go full screen on me, I guess. This is Simon in studio. Ooh, focus. Whoa, look how scary I look. He's relaxed. I'm scary. <laughs> this was us um, filming in studio. 
with Jomez, uh, or not filming, recording voiceover. So the voiceover you hear is here recorded in the Nick and Masho studio. There you go. Bonus fact. Pretty cool. So everybody. With Ben's microphone, right? Yeah, I sold I sold that the pop filter for the mic from last episode for $1,000. What he, what they don't know is he bought like 100 of those pop filters. Yeah. And he just sells off the brand new ones. Now. Yeah. There Let's you go. go. <laughs> All right, so close it out, Nick. It's been a little while Anyways, since you've done Yeah, I know, right? Um, everybody, thank you for tuning in. Sorry about the mix-up that we had at the beginning of the show, but for everyone that's listening post-produced, you are not going to know a single thing that went wrong. So to our live viewers, thank you so much for bearing with us. I uh, hope you all enjoyed this incredible Monday night. I'll be here for about a month. Should be another two or three more episodes that I will be in studio for. So super looking forward to all that. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe to the channel, please, and thank you. Uh, also, check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms. Tell someone you love them this week. We'll catch you in the next one. Ben, you're awesome. Nick, you're awesome. Evan, you're awesome. Peace out, everybody. Peace. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube.